Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88 right across Australia. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon and welcome to The Breakfast Show. And of course you're listening to the delayed broadcast. The delayed broadcast, people. That the delayed sounds... broadcast. Come on now, you can do better. We know you can do better. Because people already are. How are they doing better? Okay, so you can jump online and listen to us at faithfm.com.au. The live stream. Or, the live stream. Or mm-hmm. even better, you can listen to the live show by using the TuneIn app. Simply download it to your device. For free. From, for free. Get the free version. Mm-hmm. Uh, on your from your app store and away you go. And then you can just search Faith FM Australia and you can listen to us live and you can interact with us. You can join in. You can answer the quiz and get the prize. You can submit a question. You can get the free giveaway. It's so much more fun so when a, you're doing live. We've got a great quiz question coming up that somebody mm-hmm. got almost straight away this time. Yeah, so it was a really you easy could have done. It one. could have been you. It could have been you. But you're not because you're on the delayed. That's all right. <laughs> but you could be live. Just join us. It's so easy. Anyway, coming up in today's show, we have some very interesting stories. Oh, We've so much is happening right a now, church Lyle. got struck by lightning and Yuck. tragically some people Tragic. died. Whose um, fault was that? We'll find out. Yes. We have, of course, the big stories about North Korea and mm-hmm. Donald Trump and... China. China with um, you know, the president staying around forever. Forever, yeah. Um, Scary stuff, man. And a story about... King David mm-hmm. and the First Fleet. That, yeah, that's a good story. I really like that one. We also have Love Matters uh, coming up. We have an interview with Adele. We have some great music. We've got a great show coming up. It's a fantastic today. show coming up. And we always love your company here on The Breakfast Show. And we look forward to bringing it to you right now. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88. This time we're going to go to Chris Rice, How Great Thou Art, here on Faith FM. How great thou art, 
thou art Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee How great thou art, how great thou art And when I think that God his Son not sparing Send him to die I scarce can take it in That on a cross My burdens gladly bearing He bled and died To take away my sin Then sings my soul My Savior God to thee Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Australia, the breakfast show with Lyle and Mon. And Lyle, how was your weekend? My weekend was amazing. Did you do anything special? I worked on trucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a bloke. Ask me what I did. Ask me what I did. What did you do? I took up learning ukulele. <laughs> I thought you just partied. What? No. <laughs> I thought you partied all weekend. I mean, it was my I birthday week. <laughs> your birthday week. And Who my has g- a birthday week? <laughs> well, look, like my friends are, are far and wide, and so we, I had to celebrate multiple times to get all my friends in. So. Oh, this is your excuse. <laughs> you make me sound like some sort of partying lush. It wasn't quite like that. We had a like you know we went swimming and you know that kind of thing. It wasn't it wasn't a raucous party. Don't make me sound like that. Swimming in a piece of cake and. 
But I had, you know, I had so much fun learning ukulele. And anyone can join us, by the way. I'm going to do a plug. You always plug stuff. I'm going to plug stuff okay. this all time. Right, right, so right. Maitland Church. Yes. Hang on, we're plugging the same thing, aren't That's we? Right. That's all right. It's all good. That's why I said it's okay. <laughs> so Maitland Church, I'll let you. which I've just recently started going to, and it is, really is a wonderful congregation. They have all these different like sort of social clubs, and you can just join them and like make new friends and take your friends along. And so they have like you know a games club and a, a forward driving club, and they have a ukulele group, and you can go along for free and you and ukulele. And I started, and it's super fun, and I already learned three songs. Oh, cool! Yeah, awesome. So, You'll have to play for us here on the radio sometime. Yeah, maybe not. Every <laughs> third Saturday at two p.m. at Maitland Church on Brunswick Street. Please join us. Okay, fantastic. Now let me we... hit you with the, oh, the quiz. The quiz. The quiz. Okay. Yes. So who am I? Nope, question, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody, nobody stumped me yet either. I know. Oh, by the yeah, if you have a good hard question that you think you can stump Lyle with, call us in. We will send you a DVD if you can stump Lyle with a really tricky Bible question. But for today, we actually have a pretty easy one, um, and we're giving away the Tell the World DVD. It's a wonderful movie, but you have to get this question right. Mm-hmm. It's a who am I question, and the first clue is, mm-hmm. I went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. Mm-hmm. Do you know who it is? Mm-hmm. Oh, for goodness sake, Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> You're unstumpable. We need someone to stump Lyle. If you think you know the answer to the who am I question, or if you think you can stump Lyle, call us up 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us on 0491-064-669, or you can jump on our Facebook face. Uh, Faith FM Australia. Okay, so we've got some fascinating stories that we're going to look into today. And, of course, dominating the news, you've got the possible talks between North Korea and the United States. Uh-huh. And uh, what do you make of all this, Mike? Do you really think it's going to happen? I don't know. I'm not sure. I would like to see it. I mean, hey, there's a part of me that says, yeah, I'd really like to see this happen. And there's another part that says, I would really like it to see it successful. Mm-hmm. But there's a very large part of me that says, you know, this is actually just a fairy tale. This yeah. Is- I mean, if you look at history, doesn't North Korea have a have a track record of doing like, you know, this bait and switch situation where they say, oh, yeah, we're going to do this. But then they never actually do. Well, you've got two very large egos yeah. moving into one room at the same time and, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just... But hey, the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. And you never know, let's pray for this. Let's, this yeah. is something we need mm-hmm. to pray for, that peace can be found in this part of the world because it is a, it is a troubled part of the world. And then you've got this um, whole thing in China. What's happening in China right now? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I, I can't... This is really sad. I do... I mean, I don't want to be like stirring any feathers up or anything, but I do find this really sad because... You know, after Chairman Mao, um, or is it Emperor Mao? Chairman Mao, right? After he passed yes, away. the emperor is in China, in Japan. Oh, what? You're looking at me like I've just... <laughs> no, no, it's all good. I'm I think it's sad that, you know, they, they used to have this um, one person in charge of everything for life kind of a thing. And when he passed away, they changed the laws so that the presidential term was only for five years at a time. But now they're changing it back. Yeah, and, and with Chairman Mao, you had to read his little red book, and uh-huh. now they're changing that back as well. So you have to, you know, read and study the uh, what the president says and these kind of things, which is, you know, really a um, a cult of leadership. Yeah, which is not un- unknown. In fact, it's actually quite common in the history of our world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a phenomena that you find has been repeated many times down through history. And it's interesting that once you reach this cult style leadership. And you reach the point where people are studying the writings of the leader and they're you know, having their small groups and all these kind of things. It's starting to enter the realm of religion. Okay. Oh, really? 
Yeah. So you would no longer really call it a um, a political party. You call well, that's why it's, that's why it's, that's why it's called a cult. And of course, you go back to the time of um, of Imperial Rome, for instance, mm-hmm. and you have this situation where it begins as a republic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you know, government by the people and, and elected officials. It moves from being a republic to being um, a, an emperor. You know, mm-hmm. under Julius Caesar, he forms the Roman Empire and becomes the emperor and proclaims himself dictator for life. Mm-hmm. And then it moves from there and it evolves. And this is this is how societies um, and, and and governments evolve over time. The Roman Empire is just a classic example. It evolves from there till the point where you till you reach the point where uh, some of the emperors are proclaiming themselves as being gods. Okay. Now this is human nature, and we need to learn from history because we think that you know we are above history and that we have civilized ourselves to the point where we would never repeat what happened in the past. But we we know from history that we will. And what you find is this. Human nature always wants something more. Think about yourself right now. Mm -hmm. If you had some money, you would probably go and buy it to get something more. We are all the same. The question is, when you have all the power and all of the money, are you going to be satisfied? Will human nature ever reach a point where it's like, yeah, I've got enough. I don't need any more. Now, human nature can reach that point under the under the power of divine nature when we partake the bible says of god's divine nature and we can achieve true satisfaction through jesus christ something that answers that longing completely absolutely yeah. absolutely completely mm-hmm. answers that longing so that you no longer have that you know that just that that emptiness that is constantly driving you but outside of jesus christ this does not happen and so what you find is that once somebody an individual has all of the money and they then have all of the power the only thing left for them to go for is worship and consistently that's what they do so do you think um, do you think it because uh, Christian religions have such a hard time um, I guess I don't I don't want to say the word infiltrating but being present in countries like China that you know it causes this sort of situation where people are looking for something to worship and because they don't have um, such a, a accessibility to religion because the government stamps it out that they end up worshiping their leader there is a God-shaped hole in every person, mm-hmm. and there is a constant desperation to fill that hole. And so, when you get when you get a ho- when you get something that is hollow mm-hmm. and empty, and you get pressure from the outside, you get a crushing that takes place. And mm-hmm. that's what's happening with a lot of us. And maybe you, as a listener, you f- might be feeling yourself being crushed today. I don't know, but if you're feeling being crushed today, the only way that you can be crushed is if there is something hollow on the inside. If the inside is full, you can't be crushed. And the only thing that will fill that is Jesus Christ. The problem is, as human beings, we are always trying to fill it with something else. Mm. And we con- and because nothing else will actually fit there, we're constantly dragging all of these things in, whether it's relationships or whether it's um, things or money or power or whatever. It is. We're, pour- we're constantly pouring it all into this God-shaped hole to try and Stop this hole from being from from us from being crushed, and yet nothing will fit there except for God. So we need to put God there. Amen. You know, and the Bible talks about um, you know, and going back to the the the, the global political scene again. The mm-hmm. Bible talks about how religion will be a driving force at the end of time. You know, if you go to Revelation chapter sixteen, for instance, uh, the Bible talks about three unclean spirits like frogs, and the Bible says they come from the mouth of the dragon, the beast. And the false prophet. Now, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet all exist within the realm of religion. 
And so you've got these three religious powers that are forming this coalition together at the end of time, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And they go out from there, the Bible says, to gather together the kings or the political leaders of the world. And so you have a global gathering together at the end of time, just before Jesus comes back, that is driven by religion. Okay. Now, here's what we see in our world. This is, this is simply just describing globalism mm-hmm, right here. Mm-hmm. We live in a world where globalism is a reality. You've grown up in it. I've grown up in it. Uh, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, our world has become globalized. We used to call it the new world order. Now we just call it globalism. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be some great conspiracy theory. Well, now it's just what we live in and we've all become used to and it's been normalized. But the Bible talks about these things. And when you see these cults being formed, you know, leadership cults and this kind of thing being formed, it's just simply another. But And what's particularly scary is this is being formed in the middle of a rising superpower. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I guess to some degree we're all a little bit guilty of um, being, I guess, ha- filling, you know, our God-shaped holes with something that's not quite what it should be. Won't fit there. Yeah, exactly. So we're all a little bit, I guess, communist to ourselves, <laughs> a little bit culty. We put ourselves before God. We are going to have a quick break and listen to Canaan Bound by Andrew... Peterson.
to Andrew Peterson with Canaan Bound. You're listening to Faith FM and we have another question coming, another clue coming up for our quiz because yes. nobody has answered the quiz yet. Don't forget to give us a call if you know the answer. Here comes the number 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. And of course, you can call us on that 1-800 number if you would like to comment on the subjects that we are talking about here this morning. Okay, so Mon, what have we got for our next clue? Okay, I'm going to rehash the first clue. The first clue was, I went to see the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And the next clue... Other women and I brought spices so that we might anoint Jesus' body. Okay, that's Who getting a little am bit, I? That's getting a little bit clearer now, isn't mm-hmm. it? We will send you a DVD if you get that one right. Yes, very, very famous person uh, here in the Bible for uh, infamous reasons. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so at least 16 people have been killed and 140 others injured when lightning struck a Seventh-day Adventist church in Rwanda's south, a provincial governor says. Rose Murashwanko said 140 churchgoers were injured and rushed to a nearby hospital where two are in serious condition. Murashenko said 17 of those injured are still in hospital while the rest have been discharged. It's just a very tragic story taking place there in the country of Rwanda, Monica. That is insane. Uh, no... How honest are we allowed to be on this show, Lyle? Oh, we have to be absolutely honest on this show. This is Christian <laughs> Christian Radio. Okay, fair enough. But is not the first thing that came to your mind like judgment from God? Like when you think of judgment from God, people usually do think like fire coming from heaven and poor, like blasting you off the face of the earth. Yeah, and it strikes a little bit close to home when um, it's a Seventh Day Adventist church. Of course, yeah. we're a Seventh Day Adventist radio station right here, so it's sort of is one of our own churches and. And, uh, you know, that's definitely definitely coming close to home right there. I think that in situations like this, and a very, just an incredibly tragic story, and my heart goes out to all of the members of that church there, and particularly the family members, why is it that when lightning strikes, we see it as judgment from God, when other events, natural disasters, are seen as what they actually are, a natural disaster? I don't know. I feel like a lot of people see them both as acts of God, really. Yes. I have. A, I However, know you know, for instance, there was uh, in, in the same country some years ago, there was an entire soccer team that was wiped out by a lightning strike. Really? Yes. And, and, and of course, immediately the, the, the question went out there, you know, was black magic involved? What was happening here? Whereas, you know, if, if a church gets wiped out in an earthquake or in a tornado or in a um, some other kind of... Um, um, you know, natural disaster, a flash flood, or something like this. We think, oh, mm. that was really sad, and that was a, a disaster that took place right there. Um, but when lightning strikes, we we often attribute it to, well, God has just stepped in and acted. You know, I actually have a lot of Christian friends, and this this might actually sound really horrible, so I'm not going to mention their names. But when uh, a natural disaster and any natural disaster strikes, you know what they often ask me? They're like, oh, what apostasy is that region of the world up to? Like, sort of saying, like, you know, whatever naughtiness they were doing was a direct cause of 
be it cyclone or flooding or tsunami. You have got to be joking. No, and then and then you know if you know whatever country it is, and there's such a poor attitude yeah. towards God. Yeah, and that's like the first question they ask. They don't say it was God's fault, but they do sort of you know. Okay, well, there's that. something else that needs to be taken into account here because we talk about natural disasters, and you know, different countries are prone to different natural disasters. And Rwanda is a country that is prone to lightning strikes. Uh, for I didn't instance, know that. there were 18 students on Friday who were struck by lightning. One of them died. Um, their 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 monthly record was October last year, where there were 18 different. Uh, instances of people being hit by lightning in one month. Now, is is it because Rwanda has a lot of lightning or because people don't stay inside whenever there's a lightning storm? Possibly a little bit of both, but it is due to the geography of the country that it does um, create big storms with lots of lightning and the geography attracts the lightning to the ground more than through, you know, just uh, between clouds in the air. Okay, but, you know, when we read uh, about, you know, signs of the times and end time events, you know, especially in the book of Matthew and talks about all the different natural disasters is going to be increasing and on the rise wouldn't that mean it is kind of God's fault oh you yeah okay so you're asking some serious questions right here yeah okay so how where do we draw the line then where do we draw the line between what is God's fault and what is Satan's fault and what is simply natural disasters first of all God never designed anyone to die he never designed anything to die he designed a world in which natural disasters would not take place. Okay. When sin came to our world, the result, the natural result of sin, messes up God's natural law. So you've got the natural law of you know sin comes in, and it just it degrades everything. And so mm-hmm. Satan now has um, a certain amount of control over this world because Satan has come to the government of God and said, "I have a better way than a government of love." And God has said, "No, you don't." The Bible talks about war in heaven. The Bible says talks about how our parents. Um, Adam and Eve accepted Satan here, and God could have wiped out Satan on the spot, couldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And then none of these things would happen ever. You know, the curse wouldn't be resting on our earth. But the problem is, when the entire universe serves God because they love him, if God had wiped out Satan right there, you know, bang on the spot just like that, chunk, gone, then the entire universe would be like, well, what was it that Satan was actually proposing? Maybe his idea was a better idea. They'd be a little bit scared. They would be scared. They would now be serving God from fear rather than from love. And in one move, God would have eradicated love from the universe. It would have just ceased to exist. I kind of feel like that's how people, you know, there's people, poor people in China must feel. Like when they have, you know, this new, new ruler, ruler supreme kind of a thing. And they're not allowed to say anything against him. Because if they do... They get punished. Yeah, it's, it's a rule by fear. And this is exactly the situation that you would have had happen here on this earth. And so God has um, shown the alternative and he's like, okay, Satan has proposed, proposed this. Let's give him a set amount of time. And in the, in the context of eternity, a very short set amount of time, you know, 6,000 years, in which to, to the whole universe and human beings included can so God see is actually, the results. God is actually a very fair political ruler, I guess you could almost say. Absolutely fair. So if someone opposes him, he gives them a chance to speak and prove their worth. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, real quick. On this day in 1787, the first fleet left Portsmouth in England and the colonisation of Australia began. And along with that came 
the extinction of more species in Australia than any other country in the world. Really? Yes, one per year since colonisation. Wait, what has this got to do with King David? Well, you know, I was just thinking about this because I was reading the story of King David the other day and how as a lad... Uh, the Bible, you know, probably 13, 14 years old. He was obviously known as being a very great warrior. Mm-hmm. As a lad, he killed both a lion and a bear in Israel. Ever seen lions in Israel? I've never been to Israel. No. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the lion in recent times? No, I haven't. Or a bear? No. And what I was, so that sent me on a, a little path of research. I'm like, really? Lions in, in Israel? How can that be? They live in Africa, not Israel, not the Middle East. And uh, and so I did some research then, and I found that lions used to their 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 range, of course, was the entire continent of Africa. Now it's small parts of Africa, but it included Western Europe and Asia as well. Are you saying and King so, David is responsible for the extinction no. of lions? I was just, I was just, I was just, uh, you know, this 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 whole thought process joined these two stories uh-huh, in my mind uh-huh. together. How that you know, I was reading this story about King David, and how that. You know, mm-hmm. our world is a world of extinction. Yeah. And, of course, evolutionists would tell us that extinction is nature's way of creating. How? Survival of the fittest. Creates species and it strengthens species and it creates diversity of species. And yet, if we study back through the history of Australia, mm-hmm. which has had more extinctions you know, we have 20 million native animals that die, as a minimum, that die every single day in Australia just due to predation by cats. Really? Cats? Yeah. And, and and this should be creating diversity. It should be creating no. a stronger gene pool because that's what survival of the fittest indicates, but that's not what's happening. You know, and you can go back through history. You can work your way all the way back to the time of King David when he was hunting lions and bears in Israel, and you can find that now, you know, the opposite takes place. I always feel like that seems obvious that – so many millions of creatures are dying, couldn't possibly create diversity. I feel like that's doing the exact opposite. I mean, that seems sort of like, like a no-brainer. Counterintuitive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and maybe you've got some thoughts on this. Maybe you'd love to give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number. We would love to hear from you. And we need to, and of course, um, contact us on Facebook um, or text us on 0491-064-669 if you've got some thoughts. We're going to listen to Matt Who and I speak with tongues of men and angels Though I have the prophet's gift Though I hold the keys to hidden knowledge Though my faith can mount and shift Without love I am no better Without love it's all for naught Lord you spent your life in loving others What this means I would be taught Love is patient, knows no When others sin Love is never glad to see Injustice always wants the truth to win There's no end to love's endurance There's no test you cannot face Lord, you spend your life 
Back to Faith FM. It's wonderful to have you with us this morning. And also joining us in the studio this morning, we've got John Boston and his father. Beautiful to meet you both. So good to be here with you, Adele. Mm. Likewise. So, as we can probably guess from your accents, you're probably not local Australians. Well, kind of, but where are you from originally? Well, I'm from Florida in -hmm. the United States, Southeast United States, Fort Lauderdale specifically. And I live in Port Macquarie, which is a lot like Fort Lauderdale, just uh, beautiful Pacific instead of uh, Atlantic. And Slight difference. Yeah, it's, it's a big difference. I love it. I love oh, it. It's good. amazing. Mm, and what about you? I hail from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. I recently retired from 38 years in the ministry, mm-hmm. and I'm presently living in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, beautiful. Oh, obviously, you both have a passion for ministry. What got you both into that? See, oh, well, just for our listeners who don't know, both in ministry, obviously. Yes. So you've just retired, mm-hmm. and then you're working in... And I'm halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it seems so far away, but you work with uh, school evangelism. I do. Mm-hmm. I, um, I work with a unique relationship that our amazing Adventist schools, Christian schools in Australia have with mm. the local Adventist churches. And nurture the decisions of young people. Uh, our, our education is value based, mm. and one of those values includes compassion and, and service. Mm. And so, I try to tap into that for what our church continues to do beyond the school with those young people. Mm. And it's a it's a unique role, unique opportunity. So, really special. Mm. Sorry, I called you John's father. You're his father-in-law. My brain's not working this morning. <laughs> so father-in-law, what, yes. Yeah, My what, name is Carl Neesmith, though. Yeah. So, uh-huh. and you're Carla's. Father, so Carla is John's dad. beautiful here, wife. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. thank you. Mm. We're here visiting for three months. Oh, uh, lovely. We we're enjoying our stay here, mm-hmm. and so far it seems like the entire country is a resort. Well, mm-hmm. so far so good. So far, <laughs> we so haven't good. turned on, yes. you know. Adele is a world traveler. Weather. I love uh, seeing all of her international posts from. <laughs> Beautiful places. Uh, have an adventure now and then. But so, what got you into ministry, Carl? Well, actually, um, I had a member from one of the local Seventh Day Adventist churches that uh, ministered to me for over two years, mm. uh, trying to reach out to me. And uh, at the time, I wasn't interested. 
But the, at, at the end of a two-year period, I was in an automobile accident, and this person came to visit me, little old lady from the mm. Seventh-day Adventist Church. And it was that act of kindness that uh, compelled me almost to return her kind favor of coming to visit me to go visit her church because she had always invited me to church and I would never accept it. I would never go. Mm. But when she came to visit me in the hospital, she stayed for just a short while. She had a word of prayer with me and that led me to go visit her church. Now, just to keep it short, that was my first time at Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, They did not know I was coming. Mm. Uh, The choir sang a beautiful song and before I knew it, time lapsed somehow and the preacher got up to preach. Mm. And the next thing I knew, I found myself in tears getting up to take my stand uh, uh, regarding the appeal he extended. And within seven days, I was baptized into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. It was literature evangelist that brought me into the church. So Mm. I uh, studied quite deeply for that seven-day period and Anything they asked of me, I was willing to do it. Uh, the Lord had taken complete charge of my total being, and mm. I just couldn't i couldn't say no to anything. So I, in seven days, I was baptized. In a couple of months, I was at Oakwood College studying for my uh, undergraduate degree and, and then went on to study for my master's degree in ministry. So the Lord just sort of plucked me out of the claws of the devil and set me right in the middle of his house. Mm. And I winded up just having feeling a need to do more uh, for the Lord. So that's how I winded up going to school to become a pastor. Obviously, you must have felt such a strong calling on your heart from God there, though, too. And just responding to that in such a a clear way as well. You know, it's it's beautiful that you had that, not just that opportunity by being invited to church, but that, you know, you, you just went with that instead of going, oh, maybe later or, you know. Actually, it was her... Kindness that she had demonstrated over the two years Mm. trying to reach out to me, and I could not shake her off my trail. And I think when I finally responded to go and visit her church, she had represented the church in such a way Mm. where I had high regard for her Mm. and the church she represented. And I feel that uh, her kindness towards me softened my heart Mm. to be more receptive to the spiritual message that was uh, preached that that day. And, you know, I still can't really understand how the Holy Ghost just came in Mm. and took over. All I can say is I'm glad he did. Very much so. And how has that kindness shaped your ministry? Well, actually, uh, I always felt that, uh, though I had the uh, pleasure of attending Oakwood and Andrews University, I always felt that uh, the Lord... Uh, called me to love people into the church because Mm -hmm. if you realize it wasn't the sanctuary it wasn't the sabbath that uh, drew me to the church it was an act of kindness Mm. so it was a heartfelt love that she had shown towards me over the years and i always wanted to predicate my ministry on loving people into the church uh, which was also jesus method and the teachings it comes natural when you win a person's heart and confidence you're willing to receive uh, all the other things that come along with it. Mm. So I shape my ministry now by working in the community. The majority of the time, I I was blessed to start a, a nonprofit organization, and uh, we were feeding 12,000 plus wow. a, a month. And it was a mobile feed to hungry ministry, and it sort of evolved into uh, much more. 
But uh, service and giving, I couldn't say thank you enough. I I was very grateful and mm. I, being a pastor was very good, but I just yeah. wanted to do more than just be a general pastor. So I asked God to give me a niche mm. uh, within my ministry. So I was able to uh, pastor the church as well as work uh, quite well in the community. Hmm. Well, what about you, John? What got you into ministry? Well, actually, my father-in-law, Pastor Carl Neesmith, so who's here with us. <laughs> I, um, I, there was a lot of things I wanted to do. Mm. I um, had a heart for service, for sure, and I loved the Lord. And I found that the um, my reference point for pastoral ministry was uh, for a long time based on who was preaching on Sabbath morning or Saturday morning mm. and uh, evangelistic meetings where tents and halls were rented and set up. And, and when I met Pastor Neesmith, uh, dad, he from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. would have us out. And I was a student in school. I wasn't a theology major or trying to be a pastor. I figured I would preach, but as a lay person, as a non-clergy person. And uh, his heart for the community, I saw a brilliant opportunity to be able to serve people uh, outside of the local church and and to lead the local church to service. And mm. that, that became a big part of my identity. And um, one of the big things that I learned from dad is that he is uh, he has a rule for, for his life, a, a life philosophy, and he calls it the 5149 rule. That in his pastoral ministry, 51%, or at least the majority, will always be for those that are outside of the church. Okay. And so that um, I, I picked that up, I adopted that, and, and, and um, over the past 15 years, I have had a heart for uh, serving the community and developing the community and being a part of community. I think churches should be spiritual leaders for mm, the communities that they're so. in, lighthouses. Mm. And so, yeah. yeah. And so, have you had a chance to work together in ministry with that and with serving the community? Oh yeah, I, I think every everything I've ever done, he's been right there to help. That's everything. Wonderful. I don't think there's anything he's missed. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think if you go back to pictures from events and initiatives, you'll see him there with a All t-shirt along. on, or <laughs> a box in his hand, or gloves mm. on. Mm. And so he really, the idea of mentoring really became uh, DNA for him, mm. DNA for me. And uh, it's a big part of, of who I am, and I praise God for that kind of connection because I don't know that I would have been a pastor if I mm. thought pastoring was only preaching. Yeah, true. Yeah. Well, so we, we do a tag team ministry together quite well, mm. and he was able to bring some things to the ministry uh, that I had not thought of, mm. being a younger man, uh, highly motivated and creative. And uh, my daughter, uh, Carla, and Pastor Boston mm. here, uh, they're a dynamic duel. Oh, very they're, much they're so. They're very gifted, they're very <laughs> yeah. talented. So they were able to yeah. give me some insights, and I was able to hone in uh, on improving some things that they brought to my attention. So mm. it was the young and old uh, bringing the best of both worlds together to provide a service to the community and lead people to Jesus Christ. Mm. And it's exciting to be able to do that, I think, you know, instead of thinking of things as well, that's just for people in that age range or oh, only the kids can do that. It's you know, that everyone is included mm -hmm. and built up through working together. 
Definitely. Have you found though too that you know mentoring can sometimes be a little bit challenging? Have you if you found that sometimes people resist it, or are there people who, you know, you've invested a lot in and nothing's really come of it, or is it always just sort of been a positive experience for you? Well, I can't think of any negative experiences offhand right now, but I've had you know various type of uh, exposure to different mm. uh, personalities and and whatnot. But for the most part, uh, I try to be patient. You have to remember, uh, when I came into this church, uh, the young lady, the, the older lady had witnessed to me for two years. But the first thing I realized was that Jesus had been watching me the whole time. Mm. And I was 30 years old when I came into the church, and I, I was raised in a place called North Philadelphia, which was from the rough side of the tracks, if you please. So for me to realize... Uh, Jesus had been watching me, and he still had a, a heart and open arms to receive me when I came to him. It really moved me deeply. Mm. So when I deal with folk, uh, I tend to try to be patient, try to be understanding, and and I just pray and ask the Lord to lead me. But for the most part, uh, I've had a good experience in, oh, in ministry, good, good run. Mm. And Pastor Boston and another young man came my way, and they both were able to, matter of fact, it was two men that came to my house looking for work, and the church voted to allow them to work with us for the summer. Mm-hmm. This gentleman wound up mar- marrying my daughter, and the other gentleman is pastoring the church that uh, I first met him. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. in, in coming to, <laughs> to be with us. So, I think about that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah so so they both latched on to me in different ways. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think Dad didn't see mentoring as making a copy of himself, no. but more so making room for new gifts. And um, mm. and I think that that was critical in my development. And uh, yeah, and I, I think that went a long way. I love that idea of making room for new new gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that it, it isn't about a cloning program or something like that, but it's about yeah. celebrating the gifts that God has given us, each individual one. Absolutely. Just in terms of your own ministries, though, too, what what do you find comes naturally to you? I one thing that comes naturally to me is that I believe that our ministry should have a precision response to the communities that they serve, and so a lot of times we create ministry pathways or action plans that reflect what the church believes should be done, mm. and we'll do surveys and ask. But if you look at the local government website or you look at the local newspapers, they're going to show you what what's happening in the community. And I think making yeah. sure the church ministries are responding in a precise way, a, a, a focused way. I think that goes a long way. Mm, it does. And I believe in creating a culture for evangelism. You know, when we constructed our budgets in our churches, I always said that let's make sure uh, we put the emphasis in the right place. So you would always see evangelism being very, very high on our budget and then mm. children coming next. But evangelism and reaching our, our children were always the two top uh, budgetary items on our uh, budget. Mm. So the mortgage and paying all the other bills that are necessary, you know, of course you have to do it. But I always made sure that our purpose for existence was to uh, be a lighthouse mm. and to share our faith w- with others. Mm. I think that is an important thing, though, too. You know, that you're both saying that 
you know, what people are drawn to most is that connection, the human connection and being a part of community, not waiting for them to come to you. Yes. But you go out and meet them, meet their needs and connect with them in a meaningful way. Absolutely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just in our last few seconds of this morning's interview, is there any advice that you could give people who are thinking about doing something for their community? Find a need and fill it. Short and sweet. And, <laughs> and, to, and determine the difference between needs and felt needs. Make sure ah, you true. ask the people, uh, what can we do to better serve our community? Don't go in with preconceived notions. Mm. Let them educate and instruct you on what they feel will best serve Uh, the community they live in. That is such a good point. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning, John and Carl. It's been wonderful having you. We're going to have you back again tomorrow, which is going to be great. In the meantime, we're going to listen to a quick track. You're here on Faith FM.